You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. What up, folks? I'm Michael Bumpus along with Nasa Choby, and this is Hawk Talk Recap Edition. The Patriots take an L to the Seahawks, 35-30, came down to the last play like we normally do. Let's get into the trenches with Ray Roberts. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray. What's happening, my brother? 2-0. Thriller on Sunday night football. How you feeling, man? I'm, I'm feeling a little bit tired. It's a long night, you know, on the radio. And, uh, you know, the emotions were up and down uh, with that game. Uh, and then also trying to bring some energy to the stadium for the team. Uh, but, man, it's, it's great to wake up uh, 2-0. Great to wake up to and all. It really felt like the Seahawks had control of the game until that very last drive. Um, what do you think we learned about these guys on Sunday? Well, I think uh, what we've learned about this team just in these first two games is that uh, on offense, they are a juggernaut. They are well-primed. Uh, everyone seems prepared. Russell is just like a, you know, we said last night, he's like a like a cheat code. I think, I think now they call it the X factor on on Madden and his star lights up and he just can't be wrong. And so every, it seems like every decision he makes when he chooses to pull the ball down and run, when he chooses to move around in the pocket and buy more time, when he throws the ball in rhythm, when he throws it short, medium, long, like he just seems to be on point with every single thing he's doing. And then I love the way that the, the team is using the running backs. It, it seems like in previous years, it always seemed like three or four or five games into the season before Pete Carroll had to have a talk with the offensive coordinator. Then they get their identity down, and then they go on with the season. This year, they just hit the ground running. They know exactly who they are, exactly what they're trying to get done. And then on the defensive side, man, like they're trying to work some things out. They got some new pieces. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the, you know, who can make plays in the defensive line. Uh, But they showed tremendous uh, resilience last night. Uh, Just being on the field for long drives, that last drive was really long. Uh, guys were gassed and a little bit tired, but somehow, some way, they made a play. Well, this segment is called In the Trenches with Ray Roberts. So let's get in these trenches real quick, Ray. How did you feel about the offensive line's performance last night? You know, I, I thought they played really well. Uh, you know, really, the, the there was some pressure here and there, but that's to be expected. I thought that uh, Damian Lewis, with all the different looks that uh, Bill Belichick defense can give you, uh, they had defensive linemen lining up over him. DBs lining up over him, linebackers lining up over him. They're running all types of games and stuff like that. So uh, there was a lot to try to confuse that side of the ball. And for the most part, he held up. He gave up the sack, I think, where he thought that there was a a game going to be played and he was trying to pass the guy off to the center. Uh, But it was just an inside rush. And then he had had a a couple holding calls. But um, that's a rookie thing. That's That's a, you know, getting out of your college mindset thing. And those are things that he can fix. Uh, in practice, but overall, I thought the offensive line played well. I thought I thought they could have even run the ball a little more, but uh, but I like the way they're coming in, uh, rounding into shape. 
Yeah, and I feel like those issues with Damian Lewis, you mentioned it, those are just rookie mistakes. So that's part of the learning curve, right? As, as the season goes along, you expect him to eliminate those mistakes. Yeah, you know, so like when you're, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a holding call dude. I had my, my tummy was false start. But, uh, but in college, you tend to be, you know, when you're a guy like him, you're, you're a little bit more dominant and stronger than the guys you play against. So you're used to just grabbing them and throwing them to the ground or in pass protection, you just kind of grab a hold of them and hold them in place or throw them to the ground. And, uh, and you get, you can kind of get away with it. But in NFL, those are holding calls. And so, uh, you know, I remember when I did the scouting report on him after they got drafted, the one thing I said was that he tends to grab a lot, which then ends up being holding calls in NFL. And so that's just a matter of, of coaching a technique. Uh, retraining your 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 uh uh the way you go about playing the game the way you think it through and and then re, uh you know relearning that technique it's not a thing that I think it's going to be a long term issue the guy's just too good of a player uh and I, and he's around a bunch of other guys and and Solari that can teach him and coach him up. I'm with you. I'm with you. So the Hawks had a more balanced attack last night. Thirty runs, twenty eight passes. Is this more the type of game? we should expect going forward with this football club? You know, in the pregame show, uh, Paul Moyer said that he thought the team, had, the offense had come to a place where they could just be whoever they needed to be based on the team they were playing. And my response was, well, they have to, like, show that they could run the ball first before they can say that. And I think last night they did a good job of showing that they that they can be effective in the run game to the point where if, if they're playing a team where the run game seems to be the thing you lean on, then they can lean on that. And if they need to throw it, then obviously Russell can throw it. I mean, the dude is like over 80% completion percentage right now. And what is it, nine touchdowns or whatever it is, only seven in completion. So uh, they are getting to that place, I think, going into the rest of the season where they can really game plan for for which style they want to come with. If they want to drop back and throw it 35 times or if they want to have it more balanced like they had it last night. I, I feel confident now watching this game that they can do the things that Paul said that they could do uh, in the pregame show. Right. It's all about being versatile. Well, what's the defense giving you? They give you the run, run the rock. They give you the pass, you throw the football, and I'm with you. I think that's kind of where they're at right now. But this thing all centers around Russell Wilson. Now, you've watched him for the past several years. You've seen his development. Is this the best Russell Wilson you've seen? I think it's the best that we've seen because, you know what I think uh, really has unlocked Russell more than any of this stuff about wanting him to be more aggressive with the ball and all this other kind of stuff is that they finally, finally gave him the keys to the car without strings attached to it. Like before, yeah. I think they, they were like, okay, go do your thing, but we're going to, like, if it's not quite right, we're going to pull these keys back. And this time, they just said, dude, this is your car. You can put new wheels on it. You can put a stereo in it. You can tip the windows. You can put a pinstripe on it. Whatever it is, these these keys are yours. <laughs> and I feel like that's what has unlocked Russell because when you see him out there now, he plays as free as he, I've ever seen him play. Like his decision making is clear. Uh, you know, w- when he's making calls at the line of scrimmage, like I said before, when he decides to to step up in the pocket or scramble or what have you, all of that stuff is so on point. And I think that you know, for him. It has to feel great because, like he said, this is what he's trained for his entire life. This is the self-talk that he's had with himself forever. And I think this is really going to allow him to, to unlock whatever else he needed to have to really get people to see that this dude is an elite player. And right now, in this moment, he may be the best quarterback in NFL. 
Ray, when I got the keys to my car, I put a spoiler on that thing. Body <laughs> kit, I lowered it, put some rams on it. <laughs> you know what I mean, that's I feel right. like that's that's where Russell's at. He's like, I'm customizing this. It's mine now. I'm gonna customize this thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember my dad um, gave me my car, and there was so many things parameters on it. I could only have so many people in it. I could only drive a certain <laughs> mile an hour. I could only go to certain places at a certain dip time. And then when I then when I finally got to just do what I wanted to do. <laughs> I felt like I had a car. You know, it wasn't his car that I was using. <laughs> yes, sir. He's whipping it now. So let's talk about Quandre Diggs. Now, you played in football. I feel like it's the golden age of football where you could be nasty, big hits, all that stuff. Now, Quandre got kicked out of a game over a hit or a tackle, whatever you want to call it, that I feel like just would have been shrugged off maybe six to eight years ago. Do you feel like a disqualification was merited? No, I don't think a disqual. I can understand why they may disqualify a person just because they're trying to deter people from from doing it. But I think you know, in the maybe that's something that you do in college. But in NFL, I just don't. I think you can get a penalty, he can get a fine, and he can keep playing uh, because that has the ability to really impact the game. I, I think it's it's unbelievably hard on defenders nowadays to to figure out how to to hit someone, especially when you have a a mentality of a physical, you want to play physical, you want to send messages to guys when you hit them. And it's really hard to do that nowadays because you have to be so precise in how you tackle them. And before you could, you could tackle people with reckless abandon. You just fly up in there with, with everything you have. And now you have to come up and be thinking like, man, like how is he going to, you know, take me on so that I can get my head in the right place so I can hit him with my shoulder so that I don't hit him with my face. And so it's just like, I don't know how you play the game uh, as physical as, as you want to play it and then still have to think through all of that as you're trying to make a tackle. And that includes, you know, a, a play like a bang-bang play like that down the field for a safety or if you're sacking the quarterback. I mean, nowadays you have about six inches that you can hit on the quarterback without getting a penalty. And uh, so I just don't understand how uh, how defenders can adjust to that. And I just don't expect these penalties to go away because it's, it's, it's part of it is everybody's moving at the same time. So how do you even if you take on the right angle, the guy you're tackling can adjust his angle, and then all of a sudden you have a penalty. So it's it's just a really tough call. Yeah, it's tough. And I'm a receiver, and I feel for these defenders. It makes it tough on them. It allows the game to be wide open when it comes to throwing the football. And people want to see points being put on the on the scoreboard, yeah. but at the same time, you're making – your the safeties and linebackers, anyone on defense, you're making their job that much more tougher. So guys just have to adjust, I guess, you know, you got to do what you have to yeah. do. Well, the, and, well, the thing that's interesting, Mike, is that when, I mean, didn't mean to cut you off, is when, when they first put all these rules out, there were also a, the ability for offensive players to be penalized for leading with the helmet. And I don't, re, I've never recalled hearing yeah. one. They've, even like the way a guard pulls and takes on a linebacker, if he leads with his head, it's supposed to be a penalty on the guard. So they have to lead with their hands. And I haven't seen one single offensive player uh, flag for leading with, with leading with their helmet. And so it's just really interesting how and when they choose to, to use that, that flag and that rule. Now, see, I'm no scientist, but uh, football is a game of angles. And when you are yeah. running, your body naturally goes into a 45-degree angle. That's the power angle. You don't tackle somebody standing straight up. You don't block somebody standing straight <laughs> up. So naturally, there's going to be a tilt in your body. You know, So it's almost impossible for these guys to keep their head out of it. And if they do try to keep their head out of it, there's going to be a lot of missed tackles, a lot of missed blocks. Well, you know, we, all, we have that saying, uh, say it with your chest. 
uh, it's okay to say things with your chest, but it ain't good to block and tackle with your chest. You're gonna go home with a, <laughs> with a sore turn. You know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna have you're gonna have Rodell printed on your chest. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the last play of the game, right? We were one of the lucky sure. ones. We got to be there. We got to experience it. Um, Cam Newton's down on the one or the two yard line. They get into their big boy formation. Everyone knows Cam is going to run this football. Walk us through that last play and what you saw. Yeah, you know, I I came home last night and I looked at all of the the touchdown runs that Cam Newton had, and I was trying to see how our defense played it, and uh, they kind of played it straight up. And they and uh, on this last play, Bobby Wagner, I'm sure, like Paul said, you know, had a a, a call to make where he could flat the the D line to the right or to the left, and uh, and so on this last play, he slanted uh, the defensive line to the defense's right, which is to the left side of the defense where, where Cam Newton was running. And in doing that, uh, uh, L.J. Collier was able to, if you watch the, the tackle over him, the tackle went straight ahead. And because L.J. slanted, he kind of uh, got the edge on that tackle and was able to stand in that gap where, where Cam was running. But at the same time, uh, Lano Hill came up and took on the fullback deep into the backfield. So it really restricted the lane for Cam to run. And then the one thing I noticed out of those touchdown runs that, that uh, Cam had that, that was different in this play was what Bobby Wagner did. So on the other plays, uh, the running uh, touchdowns, he kind of hesitated and bounced in place for a minute to kind of see where Cam was going, and then he tried to go make the play, and he missed both times. And then this time, he attacked the backside gap. So when you're playing against an offense that pulls guards and stuff a lot, if, the, if you get into the hip of that guard, it'll take you right to the ball most of the time. Well, uh, Bobby Wagner on that play got right into the hip of the guard to where the guard felt him and had to stop and hold Bobby up. Well, that also restricted the lane. It gave them a, one less body going through the hole. And so the three of those guys together really collapsed uh, the lane that Cam Newton had been uh, creating for himself in those previous two touchdowns, those previous touchdowns. And so if you look at the play, man, it was well executed by Bobby, by uh, LJ, and by Hill. They, they all did a great job of just converging on that one spot to uh, deep in the backfield so that Cam Newton couldn't get his speed up. He couldn't jump over the top. There was no place for him to go. It, the play was dead from the moment the ball snapped. It's beautiful when it all comes together like that. Bobby making the call. Leno setting the edge. LJ getting low. Getting low. I mean, just the way that Cam flipped end over end lets you know just how low LJ got. And I feel like LJ needed that play, Ray. I mean, he's he's yes. struggled last year. He's getting the start this year. He's progressing slowly. But this might be the play that really makes him tap into another place in his brain and say, you know what, I can do this. Now let's let's go get nasty and take this to the next level. Yeah, I think, you know, I've been a little bit hard on him. You know, I just expected they, you know, I think he had a decent camp and he came in in great shape, even though he, you know, he missed a lot of time last year. And I'm sure mentally he was probably struggling, uh, you know, having not played last year, that sometimes being a healthy scratch. And I know as a, as a former first round draft pick myself, a lot of that stuff weighs on you because the expectations are high, you know, and you can say that it doesn't, but it does. And, uh, and so I'm sure he came into the season really wanting to, to flash and show that he was worthy of the first round draft pick. And in the first game, you know, he had an early pressure on the, on the quarterback and we thought like, oh, okay, LJ is going to do his thing. They did, didn't hear a whole lot. And then uh, yesterday I thought he played tough. Uh, you know, he, he filled some gaps on some run plays here and there. But that play may be the play that really unlocks the confidence. It may be the, the, the play that really un, unlocks him to be able to just play 
free and loose and fast uh, and strong the way that they thought he would play. And so I don't know if he's ever going to be like a, a dominant uh, defensive lineman uh, and have you know double-digit sacks and all that. Uh, but I think he could be a very good, solid, you know, uh, you know, balanced player against the run and against the pass. So I was happy for him. It was cool to see his, his the teammates celebrating with him. And every teammate that was interviewed last night mentioned how excited they were for LJ. So that, that means a lot uh, in the locker room. I'm sure it means a lot to him. And hopefully uh, that'll be that'll be the, the play that kind of kickstarts his, uh, his play with Seattle. Hopefully it does, Ray. As usual, appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. You guys have just listened to Big Ray in the trenches. We'll see. We'll talk to you soon, man. Yes, sir. All right, Nas. Hawks are 2-0, man. 2-0, baby. It's always good. It's always great to start off the year 2-0. Victory Monday is always a good thing here at the VMAC. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. At least from my perspective, Mondays are always tough after a loss. Um, so oh, yeah. anytime the boys get it done on Sunday, it's a great way to start your week and the lessons you learn, even if the game wasn't perfect, it's great to learn those lessons in a win. A win is a win and you'll take it any way that you can, but we're going to talk about how they got that win in our next segment. What had happened was. See what had happened at first was. <laughs> what happened was. What had happened was. On Hawk Talk. What had happened was we're going to tell you exactly how they got this W last night. Now, the first thing that happened is that offense came out. What second play of the game? Pick six wasn't Russell's fault. Hit Greg, Greg Olson's hands. Um, New England took care of it. But after that, that offense got rolling and they were firing on all cylinders. It was fun to watch. Nas. Oh, from the jump, honestly, like that to, for them to bounce back after that first drive you mentioned, the pass intended for Greg Olson, super uncharacteristic. Greg is one of the most sure-handed guys in the NFL. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. It's a pick six from the jump. But you know Russell Wilson, his demeanor, he was calm. There was no worry, no panic on that sideline. And honestly, they were pretty much unstoppable. The only things that stopped them on Sunday were penalties against themselves. Wasn't yeah. anything the Patriots were doing to them. When they did not get behind the sticks or anything like that, we, they were not touched. I mean, it was you know, touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown. So, I mean – in all of the drives where they punted, they had penalties, and that's kind of what crippled the drive. So if they weren't their worst enemy, they were unstoppable on Sunday. I agree with you. Uh, a um, a matchup that I loved watching: DK versus Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore, you know, he tried to he tried to 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 big brother him. He was like, "Look, man, I'm the reigning defensive MVP of the league. I'm Stephon Gilmore. I'm gonna follow you all game." And DK stepped up to the challenge from the very first snap. You kind of felt it, and you were the one who pointed it out. You're like, hey, man, watch watch DK and Stephon Gilmore. They're getting at it. It was two alphas going at each other, and I feel like DK won that battle. Oh, for sure. And what I loved about it, too, is it was on every play. It was on – sometimes it was more aggressive on run plays because DK yeah. Metcalf's a big dude, and he takes pride in his run blocking ability. And, you know, Stephon Gilmore, like you said, trying to big brother him, he was talking all game long, and DK was like, man, uh-uh. I'm not the little bro no more. You're not gonna put your hands on me no more. I'm big now. You can't, you can't do that stuff to me. And he was, he we was ain't kids it. no more. Uh huh. You're not gonna disrespect my, in my house like that. So it was great to see DK step up, and he was incredibly physical. And like you guys said on Danny and Gallant this morning, he threw Seth on Gilmore out the club on the sideline. He yeah. said, "Uh uh-uh, uh, get out." So I just love to see the fire and the, and the pump up the sideline, and everyone's juice about it. So DK is definitely. Taking a step when you take it to the former defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So it's great to see from DK's standpoint. 
Now, two years in a row, Russell Wilson is out the gates balling. Nine touchdowns, only 11 incompletions so far this season. I, I don't know the for sure stat, but I'm going to go ahead and say about 25 quarterbacks had at least 11 incompletions on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Russell is playing out of his mind. We spoke to Pete earlier. He says there's just a lot of conviction in his throws. He's not necessarily throwing it harder, but he just knows what he's doing. Um, he's he's settled into this, to this new role that he has because it feels like they're going to ride him. They're going to let him do his thing. Now, it was even when it came to run versus pass, but it felt like they came out the gate hot throwing the football, and Russell was just executing at a high level. Well, yeah, you're right. Like you guys, you and Ray were talking about giving him the keys to the car. He really has it, and he's just so comfortable in it. When things start breaking down and stepping up, like the first touchdown of the game where he hit Tyler Lockett in the back of the end zone, I mean, that throw was on the money. He had pressure coming towards him, steps up in the pocket, kind of sidearm slings it, throws a fastball to Tyler Lockett, and just the – the command he has over this offense and this team is on a different level right now. So those are the positives. Here's a couple negative, man. Uh, Marquise Blair uh, got hit by friendly fire. It looked like KJ kind of rolled into his knee. That forced Ugo to come in. Diggs got kicked out. Despite all the adversity that these dudes face, they found a way to execute when it really happened. What What's that impact going to be without Marquise Blair out there? It's tough, man. It's really tough because Marquise has been one of the big bright spots on this defense so far this year. He came in and just kind of took a hold of that nickel spot, which, you know, a lot of people would assume that Ugo Amadi was probably going to get that spot. Marquise Blair was all over it during yeah. camp. He had a great camp, played well against Atlanta, was playing well against the Patriots. And the thing that it just it just different because not only is he our starting nickel, He's our backup safety as well when we're in base. So it just kind of takes away some of the other mm-hmm. things that we can do. And, like, there's times where we'd bring in Dime and Lano Hill would come in. So we'd be playing with six defensive backs. So without Marquise out there, definitely kind of alters what you can do back there. Granted, the good thing about the Seahawks is they're incredibly deep in the defensive backfield. So, you know, Ugo came in and stepped up great. Uh, Lano came in and stepped up. So I'm confident that they're going to be fine and get through it. Obviously hoping for the best for Marquise, that it's not a season-ending injury, but it definitely is a blow to this defense. Yeah, it is. But it's also nice to see guys like um, Dunbar. Dunbar stepped up. The beginning of the game was rough for him. Missed the tackle, could have had a pick six, but it seemed like he settled down, got into his groove, um, stuck with his technique, and ended up picking off Cam. For this secondary to take the next level without Marquise Blair, that guy has to continue to take steps in the right direction. And as the season goes along, as he gets healthier, because he mentioned his offseason wasn't the greatest, obviously with all that other stuff that was going on, this guy's a key piece of that. He's got to step it up or keep playing at the level he played at last tonight. Yeah, and and uh, he's such an instinctive guy, and that's what kind of what he hung his hat on in Washington. He's a big playmaker. He's a ball hawk. He gets after the football. Um but watching New England, they were kind of going after him to start that game. They saw him, mm-hmm. kind of saw him playing off in coverage, and they were going after him, and I think that's going to happen a lot. I mean, Shaquille Griffin has been becoming a lockdown corner on the other side, and we know how good Quentin Dunbar can be, and I just think he's going to keep getting better. Like you said, he missed some time during camp as well as the offseason he went through. So I think it's just week by week he's going to keep getting better and better, but I totally agree with you 100%. For this defensive backfield to take that next step, Quentin Dunbar has got to be a big piece of that. Dunbar's got to do it. Now we we're showing the Seahawks love, but you can't you can't not show New England love. I mean, Cam Newton was playing on another level through for three ninety seven, one passing touchdown, carried the rock eleven times for forty nine yards and two touchdown rushing touchdowns. Thankfully, he didn't get three. Mm-hmm. If he got three. Mm-hmm. It'd be a little. It'd be a different Monday over there at VMAC. Cam Newton, and you mentioned it when we were talking last night. 
all these teams passed on Cam. They passed on him. They thought he was done. Dude threw it 44 times. They lost the game, but he let the league know that he's still a force to be reckoned with. Oh, he's still the, the MVP version of Cam that we saw in 2015 is every bit apparent in 2020. The man was, other thing too, people knock his accuracy. He was accurate last night. Yeah. I mean, they had so much max, max protection. They had a lot of just two-man routes, but Cam was being patient, reading his keys, and the dude can still ball out. Uh, I'm happy we don't have to see him again this year, but the rest of the league is put on notice, and he's coming for people's heads, man. Every team that pass on him, he's coming for you, that's for sure. Yeah, and he almost won the game. He threw a ball to Julian Edelman in the end zone, which was a little behind him, but Edelman looked like he got two hands on it. Probably mm-hmm. should have made that catch. I'm uh, I'm not a New England fan, but I love seeing ballers ball, especially when the Hawks still beat them when they ball. Mm-hmm. So big ups to Cam, big ups to New England. That team is better than people think. If they can stay healthy, even with all the guys they have out, you know what, eight guys opted out because of COVID. Even with all those guys, they're still a force to be reckoned with. Uh, y'all better watch out. <laughs> y'all better watch oh, yeah. out. The Pats are coming. All right, now, let's talk about our playmakers. Who was balling out? Playmakers. Who we got? Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Show them what time it is! Holy catfish! When we talk about playmakers, first guy we got to talk about. Mr. Russell Wilson, 21 for 28, 288 yards, five touchdowns. This defense allowed four receiving touchdowns last year. Russell put five up on him in one game. I didn't think he could play even better than he did last week. I take last week's performance every day of the week. Now I'm like, okay, I'll take this week as well. He continues to get better. He's in control. He's calm. He's a competitor. He's never down. I mean, what else can we say about this dude? I mean, it's every week you're finding a new adjective to describe how good of a football player he is. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the league. I'll come out and say it. He should win the MVP. I think that's where he's trending this year. Uh, we'll come back to this at the end of the year and mark these words. He's going to be the MVP. But honestly, it's <laughs> it's so fun to watch, too, because you mentioned it. The Patriots gave up four touchdowns to wide receivers all last season, and he threw up four on Sunday. And the thing about yeah. it is – as good as he played against Atlanta, we know Atlanta's defense is struggling. They put up, they gave up another 40 points to Dallas yesterday. You were playing the New England Patriots this week. You were going up yeah. against Bill Belichick's defense, them probably one of the most well-coached teams in the NFL, and Russell still got busy. So I don't know what else to say about the man. It's just pure greatness. Greatness, we're watching it. Another playmaker, Chris Carson, has 17 carries for 72 yards. Still doesn't have a rushing touchdown, but he does have three receiving touchdowns. That three receptions for 36 yards. He talks about his hands all day. Now, the touchdown that he made was one of the toughest catches in football over the shoulder, drops right into the pocket. Chris Carson is showing that he's versatile. Oh, yeah. And as a running back, I mean, I don't know how many running backs in the NFL make that catch. I mean, the elite ones do. That's like a, that's a Marshall Falk type kind of catch where he's yeah. in stride over the shoulder. And it was towards the back of the end zone. So he had that back line still, still got two feet in. And Chris Carson is definitely showing how versatile he can be. And it's going to be really big for this offense, especially now that we're throwing the football more. Over 100 total yards. You'll take that every single week. Next playmaker, DK Metcalf, four catches, 92 yards. One huge touchdown against the best corner in the NFL right now. DK Metcalf is stepping into he's a he was a rookie last year. Now he's stepping into that that star, right? Mm-hmm. Not a superstar, but he's stepping into the the star level when it comes to being an NFL football player. What do you like out of this dude? Well, I mean, first of all, we talked about it a little bit 
before about his physicality, but another, the big knock on DK when he started, when he was drafted, was he can't run routes. He can just run a go route. He can just run a go route. Well, that is not the case anymore, and I'll play his touchdown from yesterday, and we can talk about it. Four-man rush by the Patriots. Russ, seven-step drop, is going to let it fly deep. Got a man out here. It's Metcalf. Reaches up, makes the catch. Touchdown, Seahawks. How in the world did he catch that? Had a man all over him, and he still reaches back. Catches the bomb for six. The Seahawks are a point away from tying it up again from 54 yards. An absolutely perfect rainbow to DK Metcalf. Now, Bump, what I loved about this, and you're the receiver guru, so you can help me out a little bit. So he's got – he's inside. Um, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a number two right there. He's probably about splitting the difference between the hash and the numbers. He's got Stephon Gilmore on him playing outside leverage, and he's going to run a corner out. But what I loved about it is he stems him inside all the way to the hash, looks over his left shoulder, then puts his foot in the ground and runs that corner out and then doesn't show his hands until the ball is there on the best DB in the league for a touchdown. So you can't tell me the man can't run routes. You just coached him up. You're the guru today. Guy, mm, you mm. That, that that's perfect. He got inside, leaned on him, look, gave him all the goodies and pumped it down. I think there was a play on the sideline. I forgot who it was. It might have been Tyler Lockett on that third and one where Russell missed him in the fourth quarter. Tyler didn't pump it down. He threw his hands out there, uh, slowed down, probably took like three or four strides with his hands extended trying to catch that football. It's the little things that make the big plays happen. And all the things you described were all the little things that need to be done to make that play happen. A lot of guys, they get rushed, they get impatient, they don't get their depth, they don't sell it at the top of the route, they don't pump it down. DK put it all together. And then even when he caught the ball, Gilmore was still in good position. Mm-hmm. He still could have got a hand on the ball. He was all over his back. He shrugged him off. He said, no, nah, I'm a big boy. Get in that weight room. Mm-hmm. Uh, DK continues to impress me. And he also had a play on the sideline where he stepped on the heck out of Gilmore. I mean, he's just he's turning into a big, nasty receiver. And that's what this football team needs. For sure. He's he's the next T.O. type guy. And I, I can't wait to see it. Yes, sir. Next playmaker, Jamal Adams, had 10 tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, two QB hits. And it was it was a quiet 10 tackles, right? It wasn't like last week. It was a quiet sack. It was a quiet tackle for loss, even though Julian Edelman had a heck of a day. And, uh, and a yep. couple of those players were against him. What I like about Jamal Adams is post-game uh, conference, he's admitted, like, hey, look, I made some mistakes. I got to get better, you know, but you know that you're going to get everything that you possibly can out of this dude. Jamal Adams, two weeks in a row where he played really good football. Yeah, you, you mentioned it. I mean, it was it was probably two plays over the middle that Edelman got kind of got behind him a little bit. And obviously, with Diggs out of the game, that kind of shifted where guys were in the secondary. But he was still very active on his one sack of Cam Newton. Cam Newton walks into the end zone. That was a yeah. touchdown-saving play. Still very active when he blitzed. Still physical, got a couple QB hits. And he's a guy that's still... Before every snap, I'm scanning the field. I'm looking where number 33 is, so the sky's the limit for Jamal. Where's 3-3? All right, now we are going to go to the wide receiver roundup. Talked about DK Metcalf, four catches, 92 yards. The guy who got the pass game going is no other than Tyler Lockett. Seven catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. And I saw a little attitude out the, mm-hmm. out, out the, out the man. He's getting up, talking a little crap, smiling at defenders. 
He's the catalyst. I'm going to say this every single week. If Tyler Lockett doesn't get this offense going, I think they can get going, but it's always nice when you have someone you can depend on. Yep, and it's every, it's every week he's Mr. Reliable. Seven receptions on eight targets. You'll never find a week where he – it's usually eight for eight or seven for seven or six for six. You'll never yeah. find a week, I feel like, where he's – where there's maybe one or two extra targets where he doesn't come down with it. He's yep. Mr. Consistent. Like you said, the catalyst gets in the end zone. He makes our offense go for sure. Next up, Demo, David Moore, three catches, 48 yards, and one heck of a touchdown. That is what Demo does. He goes up top, he makes the tough catch, and he shows his athleticism. Like, for him to be backpedaling, the ball was kind of low, drops in front of him, gets his hands on him, one foot in, taps the pylon, then swings that foot around and gets it in by centimeters. Demo might be low-key, like, the top five most athletic dudes on this football team. Yeah, there's a reason he's still on this team. I think when we signed Philip Dorsett, I think everyone was kind of like, okay, I'm not sure if Demo is going to make the team. He does a lot for this team. He's good in the punt return game. We obviously yep. know he can run a go route and make a play deep. He's this kind of guy that when you see Demo in the stat sheet, he made a big play. It might He's not going to get 10, 11 catches for 100 and some yards, but he's going to make a couple plays, and he will make you pay deep at least once a game. And it's good to see Demo Swag getting out there and doing his thing. That's what he does. Next up, Chris Carson had three catches for 36 yards and that touchdown we just talked about. Next up, Freddie Swain. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Youngster out there. The run after the catch. I, when they drafted him, that's what I saw the most. I'm like, when he gets the ball in his hands, he can go. And that's what we saw. They put him on a shallow. Uh, they were in man coverage. They got caught up in, in the mesh. He catches the ball, gets his knees up, scores his first touchdown. And he said he's going to wrap it up Send it home to mom and dad. Good move. Oh, of course. Hey, mama raised you right if you're thinking that way, man. <laughs> That's awesome, especially with that football. I was just happy because, you know, sometimes guys get so excited. They throw the ball in the stands. They spike it. But, nah, he was smart. Yeah. He caught it. He said, nah, uh -uh. this ball's coming yep. home with me. Yep. Hold on to that thing, young fella. Carlos Hyde had two for 15. Will Disley had one catch for nine. Greg Olson had one target. We're not even going to bring up what happened on that target anymore. Nah. We're moving on from that. Yeah. We're moving on. <laughs> All right, next segment, we're going to the coach's corner. We're going to break down L.J. Collier's game-winning tackle. Newton from the shotgun. Johnson, the fullback, wings on the left side. Newton's going to run the ball. He gets hit. He flipped up in the air. He doesn't get there. Clock ticks down. It's all zeros. What a play by the Seahawks defense. They throw their helmets. They are going nuts on the field. Cam Newton. The first time tonight, I believe they've stopped him dead in his tracks, and I believe it was Bobby Wagner who got there to do it. What an end to what a game. The Seahawks win 35-30 to 30 over the Patriots. Wow. Now, Ray described it beautifully. Bobby walks up to the line, puts the D-line on a slant. Lano Hill sets the edge on the running back, forces him inside. L.J. Collier gets super low. Flips Cam Newton end over end. And LJ's post-game interview was awesome. I loved it. He goes, hey, my leader told me to slant. I'm just going to slant. He made the call. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> we know that Bobby just didn't say, forget what the coaches are saying. I'm right. going to do my thing. But that just shows how bought in he's into his leadership to where he thinks that he made that call. But that play, I think, is going to help LJ next week in the following week. He needed to have some type of success. Being that number one, that first-round draft pick, there's a lot of pressure. Ray talked about it post-game show. There's a lot of pressure. 
The team chooses you first. And anybody they could have chosen, they picked mm-hmm. you first. So they expect you to perform. Maybe he's turning a corner here. For sure. And I think he's he's such a nice kid, too. So I'm like, I'm really rooting for him. And like you said, it's all about confidence. They talk about in basketball, man. You're struggling and you get to the free throw line. You just need to see the ball go through the net, right? So and it's the same translates to football. LJ just needed to make a play, and he chose the biggest stage on Sunday Night Football. Whole nation yep. watching, makes an enormous play. Love that for the kid. Lano Hill stepped up, set the edge. And I love what Ray talked about because I was watching that last night, too. Because if you look at the play side guard, so on the defense's right, he was going to come off double team, and he was going to go up to Bobby on the second level. But Bobby shot the backside A-gap, and because he was there, the pulling guard, like Ray said, had to stop. Because if he continues to pull, he might get a piece of LJ, and then Cam has another lane to walk in the end zone. He comes backside, the pulling guard has to pause and get get a piece of Bobby. LJ continues to come down hard, and the, the play's made. It's a beautiful thing when it all happens the way it's supposed to happen. But what's the greatest formation in football, Nass? The greatest formation? Uh, hmm, I think it's the victory formation bump. Here comes the Seahawks offense onto the field and the Vikings defense trudging out there, knowing that one kneel down and the Seahawks are going to wind the clock down and win this one. It's the victory formation on Hawk Talk. Victory formation, that means the Hawks got it done, and they got it done when it counted the most. They came out hot at some point. We thought the game was a wrap, but when you have Cam and Bill Belichick and those guys, they're going to make it interesting. End of the day, they might have given up a bunch of yards. Cam might have thrown the ball all over the football field, but when they got down to the goal line, it was time to make a play. They stepped up. Yeah, like you said, man, it's it's every blade of grass. Pete talks about that. You defend every blade of grass to the last possible second. Backs against the wall, one play, and especially like that in football, one yard, go get it. Both teams know what you're going to do, especially when they know Cam's going to run the football. They say go ahead and stop it. Seahawks defense steps up, stops it, gets a victory. Their defense stepped up, and the offense continues to play at a high level. Uh, it might not be the best offense in the NFL, but they are showing that they can get it done in the run game and in the pass game. If they can eliminate the penalties on a couple of those drives, maybe they get 14 more points out of this deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, those are just, those are just drive killers. You had like a couple false starts, holdings. When you're first and 15, first and 20, second and 20, it's hard to come back from that at any, for any team in the NFL. So if they can get out of their own way, the, the ceiling for this offense is through the roof. Another way they got it done, we mentioned earlier that they tossed the ball, man. Five touchdowns against the defense. They gave up four passing touchdowns to receivers last year. That has to, that's got to sting a little bit. Do you think the Patriots know that, hey, we gave up four and now we just gave up five in this one game? There's no way they don't know that. And I'm telling you something, Bill Belichick is serving up some humble pie this morning. I would not want to be in the defensive meeting room (laughs) for those guys at all today because that's going to be a rough one. It's going to be a rough one. End of the day. These guys are 2-0. I don't care how they did it. It might have been pretty to some. might have been ugly to others. When it shows up on a stat sheet, they're 2-0. They're doing their thing. Happy for these dudes. Next week, the Cowboys are coming to town. Another challenge. Mm-hmm. If they can get out this thing 3-0, it's going to be a nice start for the Seahawks. It's been real. I'm Michael Bumpus along with my guy, Nasa Chobi. That was a Hawk Talk recap. Dallas is coming into town. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.